everyone. So glad that you're able to join us this morning. We're actually concluding a series uh, that we've been going through for the past number of weeks on Romans chapters 12 and 13, looking at what normal Christianity looks like. But before we jump into this uh, final segment, I wanted to give a bit of a promo for next week. Uh, Journey Canada is an amazing organization that we have been partnering with for a number of years now. And what they specialize in is helping people find freedom, particularly in the area of sexuality, uh, addictions, addictions in general, but particularly uh, sexuality. And they've been a uh, hugely beneficial ministry to us over the years. We've sent many people there for counseling and to go through their programs. And so we have asked Scott Newfeld, who works for Journey Canada, to come and preach next week. I think he's going to do an amazing job. We've had uh, lots of coffees together. I love his perspective, his faith, and I think you're going to be really encouraged by him. So kind of stay tuned for that next week. It's kind of a, a one-off sermon, but we thought it was so important that you would be able to hear from him and know what this ministry is all about, because I have a feeling that uh, you might really benefit, but also some people that you know who are going through those kinds of struggles could also really benefit. So keep that in mind for next week. Well, as I said, we're going to be looking at Romans chapter 13, the last few verses. We're going to jump right into it and then kind of unpack what's going on at the end of this section of Scripture. So here's how it begins. It says, um, and do this. So we have been talking for these last number of weeks about a this. And what is the this? Well, it's chapters uh, 12 to 13. And the summary of that, as we heard last week, was all about love. So do this. Be, uh, live out the gospel, expressing love to one another. And it went into great detail what that looks like. But do this, this chapters 12 to 13, this expression of love, understanding the present time. So there's something going on in this time that we're to be understanding uh, and that love is going to be kind of the answer to that. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. So how are we to view this present time in terms of what's coming? We're, the, the Bible describes salvation in three ways. We have been saved, we're being saved, and we will be saved. What we're finding in this, uh, in this verse is the salvation mentioned here is the one that we're looking forward to. Kind of the, the culmination of what our hearts have longed for, what was begun when we first believed, now is coming to fruition. We're going to be one with Christ in his kingdom enjoying eternity with him and with one another. So the context then, the way that, that all of this chapters 12 and 13 get wrapped up is in this future hope, this hope of salvation. So live today, this present time, in terms of what will be. The night is nearly over. Isn't this an interesting way to think about what our, our time is right now? Our time is a night time. The day has not fully arrived. We see it. We sense it in our hearts. We're looking forward to it. We see glimpses of it, the coming of the kingdom. But really, if we were to characterize what this time is, it's really a time of night. 
And so if we feel as though we're stumbling around in the dark, if we feel as though things are not how they should be, well, you're not alone in that. This is what this time looks like. It's more of a night time. So don't be surprised if you find yourself feeling discouraged, a little bit hard to understand all that's going on. It's characteristic of this present age. So the night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let's put aside the deeds of darkness. We might be living in the night, but don't act as though it's night. Put aside these deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. What an interesting way to describe what light is, is that it's, it's armor that protects us from this darkness that is all around us. Don't participate in that darkness. Put on this armor of light. Uh, let us behave decently as in the daytime. So when we protect ourselves from the darkness, we're able to behave in a certain way with deeds of light. Not in, and then there's kind of three lists given. Not in uh, carousing and drunkenness. Not in sexuality, sexual immorality and debauchery. And number three, not in dissension and jealousy. And these kind of these three couplets describe what the deeds of darkness are. Rather, clothe yourself. And so now this, uh, this armor that we've talked about also is referred to as clothes. Clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a big word. We're going to be talking a lot about that. Close yourself, yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. And do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. And these are the desires are, are described in those three couplets that we've already uh, looked at. So let's, uh, let's put this passage in context. During uh, our context, <clears throat> during COVID, as we think about the last, wow, I mean, I think it's been probably six months, where we have been in the midst of a pandemic. <clears throat> and what we found is that people are kind of reevaluating their lives, some of them in terms of, uh, of the future reality, which has been really great. I've had many conversations with friends whose hearts are kind of being wakened up to a spiritual reality given the physical difficulties that we're presently uh, living in. But for many people, it's, it's uh, easy to focus during this time on the now. Um, <clears throat> and the idea is, is that it's too difficult to focus on anything except our immediate needs. For many of us, we've gone through financial difficulties and we're living off of some things that the government has given us, which is a huge gift, but it's barely making ends meet. And so we're experiencing uh, financial stress. Others of us are the same group, are just experiencing an emotional stress. Uh, Research is saying that even suicide has dramatically increased during this time, that people are feeling a sense of anxiety and hopelessness that has been absolutely overwhelming for them. We're worried for our physical well-being. Uh, you know, I, I've, 
sometimes I feel when I, when I go out, when I have to go shopping, I put on my mask, and sometimes I feel like I'm a leper, that people are, are giving distance around me and not wanting to get too close to me, and it's a horrible feeling. And because uh, what are we all afraid of, of, of catching a sickness that has a higher chance than most sicknesses of, of uh, or at least uh, viruses that can, that can kill us. And so we have this, it, it's hard to know how to relate to others. And we, we desperately long for connection during a time like this, yet we're afraid to connect. We were over visiting some friends and we're, you know, two meters apart. And uh, you want to be able to give them a hug and, and just express how you feel about them, but there's this, there's a, a physical and it seems like even an emotional distance that we're all living in. And so with all of these things that are going on in our present reality, it feels like it's too overwhelming to think about the future. Uh, I'm barely surviving today and I'm supposed to think about eternal realities and, 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 and cosmic ideas. I don't have time for any of that. I don't have an, enough emotional space for that. And this really has led us down a path that has already been characteristic of our society. Something that we've talked about in the past is how the call to evangelism, how uh, uh, sharing our faith with our friends has changed over the last decade or two. That before that time, it was a very legitimate question to ask somebody who didn't know Jesus you know, do you know where you're going to go after you die? And people would go, wow, you know, I, I don't have an assurance of what happens after I die. And that's a, that's a motivation for me, uh, you know, to be able to solve that problem and, and be able to have some peace in my soul about the afterlife. Well, what we've discovered is that question uh, uh, in these days isn't very helpful at all. When, people, when we ask somebody, do you know what's going to happen to you after, after you die? They go, well, I don't know, and I'm not sure that I care. I'm just trying to deal with today. And so, the, uh, so COVID has actually just magnified what's already been true in our society, where people are very focused on the here and now. The Bible describes such nearsightedness as darkness, that where we actually, when you, when you don't live in an eternal reality, it's like you're living in a darkness. Proverbs 4 talks about where we, uh, our evil deeds are like darkness, and we, we stumble over things that we don't know is even there. And so uh, uh, what's, uh, what we're all facing right now, and it's the culture that we live in, is a, is a darkness and a nighttime that makes it hard to see anything beyond what's immediate and about our immediate gratification and getting immediate needs met. It's in a sense, it's almost like we're blinded by today. That there's so much going on today that we can't see uh, anything beyond this moment. Tomorrow feels like a very long time away and so I'm just trying to survive this moment. Now, think about how this immediacy is what primarily motivates sin. What is sin? It's always a way to get our needs met immediately without thinking of any long-term consequences. Have you thought about that? What's a lie? 
I'm just trying to get through this moment. I'm probably going to get caught later, but at least it'll get me out of this moment. What's um, addiction? I can't, I'm so overwhelmed. The only way that I can figure out how to deal with this moment is just to, uh, to self-medicate. But that's going to lead to problems down the line, but I can't think that far in advance. I'm just trying to get through this moment. So what are the deeds of darkness? What are the things that characterize being short-sighted, living in a nighttime? What does it look like? Well, we've talked about these three couplets, and we're going to summarize them with three words. The deeds of darkness can be summarized as distractions, as desires, and as dissension. Let's look, first of all, at distraction. In verse uh, 13, it talks about carousing, partying, and drunkenness. What are these things? They're distractions. They're just, uh, I don't want to think about reality. I don't want to think about how difficult things are. I just need to distract myself. And so partying has that quality to it, doesn't it? Drunkenness is a form of denying reality. It's too much to think about. So I need to just opt out for a minute because I'm too overwhelmed. Perhaps you saw in the news uh, young people a, a number of months ago who were on the, on the beaches of Florida, and they're just, they don't want to think about COVID. They somehow see themselves as being immune from that, and they're just going to party on. And it's this denial of reality, because reality is just too hard to face. The thing that uh, I think is most characteristic of this darkness and this nighttime in which we now live, and now even participate at times, is a lack of repentance or sobriety. It feels as though we're living in a time that just denies not just the painful reality that's going on around us, but even within us. And so you, you ask somebody to, uh, to consider their behavior, and there's just kind of a dullness. Like, look, I'm just trying to get through today. And maybe you call that sin. Maybe you call that a problem. But I'm just trying to survive this moment. And so there's not really, in our culture, a profound sense of repentance. People seem to barely feel bad about what they do because it's so easy to justify those behaviors given the reality that they, that they see themselves living in. A reality that needs to just be, be dealt with and kind of ignored. So distraction is a huge characteristic, a huge way of coping with a reality that can be characterized as nighttime and as darkness. And maybe you feel that, don't you? The, what happened when the, when the weather got a little bit better? Everyone is just outside. They say that, um, you know, all the, um, you know, all the bike stores ran out of bikes. Uh, everybody's going hiking. You look at the lineup to Mountain Equipment Co-op is, is down the street because everybody just wants to be distracted from the pressures that they're feeling like they're under. So maybe you feel like that. Maybe you feel as though the primary thing that's going on right now, the primary coping mechanism that you're using is just distraction. Well, if that's the case, the next characteristic kind of falls in line. If we are trying to deny reality, then what we end up pursuing is pleasure. 
These are desires that we still want to have met. And so I, I, I ignore kind of the painful reality that's going on. And what I'm going to do is just get my needs met. And so it's described in this passage as debauchery. I mean, that's a, whoever uses that word anymore. But it's right here. It's debauchery. And what this means is excessive indulgence. Excessive indulgence. especially in sensual pleasures, that I'm just going to, I can't handle reality, and so I feel thoroughly justified to just throw myself into whatever makes me feel happy in the moment. We've seen, I just was reading an article this morning from a, a news feed that I get, that um, uh, on the internet, whether it's buying sex toys or looking at pornography, that during this COVID time, all of that has dramatically increased. And it follows suit. If, I, if I'm overwhelmed by reality, the way that I'm going to numb myself out is by just having these sensual pleasures satisfied and feeling justified in that because of how difficult my surroundings are. And then we find that as we, uh, as we deny reality, as we pursue these desires, that it's interesting that what follows is dissension. Now, how could that be connected to the first two? What does partying and debauchery have to do with dissension and jealousy? Well, if I'm denying reality and just trying to have a good time, uh, fall into sensual pleasures, just getting my, my own needs met, however I think is going to be most immediate and most gratifying, that what ends up happening is I have, I'm, I've, I've lived such a self-centered life that I have nothing left over for others. I have no emotional capacity to love my neighbor, to fulfill what the law has called me to do, because I'm just trying to manage the moment. And so we see... Uh, relational breakdown also happening during this time. Because people are so stressed out, they go, I can't think about you right now, I can only think about me. Getting my own needs met. Trying to deal with this reality that's bringing me down. And so we find dissension. We find jealousy of people who are doing well. We don't want them to be doing well, because we're not doing well. And so the more self-centered our society is becoming, the more we see the disintegration of relationship. One of the things that we've been talking about uh, in our, uh, our leadership team, ENV's leadership team, is we've been talking about how are we going to somehow meet together in, you know, we're allowed to meet in groups of, of under 50 people. Because here's what we've been noticing, is that it's becoming easier and easier for us to not prioritize the meeting together that's described in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 to 25, where it says, let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing. And what we're finding is that uh, people are developing a habit of not meeting together. Now, this is ironic, isn't it? Because we've we're self-isolated, 
We don't have the, the relational freedom that we had before. And now we almost have a habit of isolation. And, you know, at the beginning, it was kind of fun to be able to, uh, to watch the uh, Sunday services in the, in the comfort of your, of your home. And it was just much easier. You didn't have to drive anywhere or pack up the kids or whatever it was going to be. And we go, wow, this is kind of fun. And we all watching. And then we go, well, I hear that it's not just live stream, but it's also on YouTube. So I think I can watch it later. I think it's going to be fine. And yeah, I mean, I'm not able to say hi to anybody on the chat, but ah, that's okay. I don't really need that. And so then we watch it on YouTube, and then we kind of forget to do that. And then before we know it, we're not connected at all at that level. And of course, it was never ideal. And what's going on right now is not ideal, is it? But it is a way of connecting. But we get in a habit of denying reality, distracting ourselves, pursuing immediate pleasure, and then not valuing the relationships that God gives us. And so I'm really concerned about this. I'm concerned that, uh, I mean, if you're watching, then you're probably, you know, doing fine, <laughs> I guess, at least in this regard. But wow, think of all the people who are on the fringe of our church or have dropped out of the habit of being connected, whether it's through uh, a Sunday service or even more importantly, through a D group or through meeting in communities. Uh, just sometimes it's even legitimately out of the fear of, of, uh, of catching the virus. But it's become a habit of disconnection. And this I find to be very, very troubling. And it is going to take energy for us to, uh, to value again connecting. Connecting with God and connecting with one another. So what then dispels this darkness? Well, what's the primary energy is light. In uh, verse 12 and 14, this is what it's talked about. It's we're to put on the armor of light. And that we're to clothe ourselves with this light, which is Jesus. So Jesus is, a, uh, Jesus is the light. And so as we clothe ourselves with him, put on this armor, then we're protected from the darkness that are, is around us. And we don't uh, participate in the deeds of darkness that we've already outlined, but the deeds of life and light. Uh, Revelation 19, verse 8, describes... Um, clothing, you know, you were to armor ourselves, clothe ourselves with light. It describes clothing as deeds or actions or behaviors. This is very interesting because it's saying that if we're not going to practice deeds of darkness, we actually have to practice uh, other things. You can't just not practice darkness and live in some neutral zone. The only way to get out of the deeds of darkness is actually to practice the deeds of light. There needs to be a proactivity and an energy put into our lives, a behavioral energy, because if we don't do those things, by default, we're going to fall into the other direction. This is what's described in Ephesians chapter 4. It says in verse 22 and 24, put off your old self which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. These desires, we're already saying that in the darkness, these desires get heightened. 
I'm feeling alone. I'm feeling disconnected. I'm feeling anxious, overwhelmed. I, I'm, I'm afraid uh, economically, physically, emotionally. I don't know how the future's gonna, uh, gonna work out. And so if I can't have a, have a future hope, I just have to take care of today. And, the, and today is about getting my desires met in whatever way I can have met today because I have no hope for tomorrow. And the Bible is saying that if you're to put off the deeds that are just motivated by immediate gratification, you're going to need to do a different thing. And in verse 24 in Ephesians 4, it describes that. Put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. What's the call that's being given here? Is dress appropriately for the coming kingdom. Dress appropriately. Don't dress in deeds of darkness. Put on new clothes, clothes of holiness and righteousness. Righteousness is right relationship. Live in a way that stays connected. You guys, this is a time to stay more connected than ever. This is a time for you not only to be connected, but to reach out to those who you are concerned are disconnected and to, and to draw people back into relationship. This is not a season for passivity. This virus is stirring something in the soul that's being motivated by anxiety that is alienating us. And the church needs to stand against this in every way. And not just thinking about it, but in, in the armor of light, deeds of, deeds of righteousness and holiness, advancing uh, uh, Romans 11 and 12, doing you know, spreading God's love practically around us. So I can't tell you how urgently I feel this in my heart. Please, I exhort you, do not have a habit of not meeting together, of, of isolation. Don't be in a habit of distracting yourself from reality, numbing yourself through dissatisfying your desires however you see fit, it's going to lead to dissension, to separation. Energy has to be put in during this time, perhaps more than ever. But there's a question to this. This emphasis on clothing ourselves with, with godly behavior with clothing ourselves, with Romans chapter 12 and 13. Is this just cosmetic? Is it just superficial? Uh, perhaps even more profoundly, is it just religion? Don't all religions say to do this? That we should become better people? Well, the first qualification is it's not just about us being better people. It's us being loving people. That's different than religion. It's actually caring for the well-being of others, practically, physically, but something in 14, uh, verse 14 tells us what's really going on. And it's to clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's to be, it's to be wrapped in a relationship with Jesus. This isn't purely functional and behavioral. It says wrap yourself, be clothed, with, with the Lord Jesus Christ. 
that in this time where you feel alienated and it's dark and perhaps cold, because that's what uh, you know non-relationship is, is cold existence. So what do you do to stay warm? You wrap yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. You put on his armor of light to protect you from the darkness and coldness that is around you and even wanting to creep into your bones and separate you and make you distant and alienated and uncaring toward others. Wrap yourself in Jesus in this time. It's this relationship that makes us godly. As we wrap ourselves in Christ, we begin to take on his nature, his concerns, wanting to please him and do what would delight his heart. As we draw close to him, as our hearts are warmed by his love and his presence, then out of that, we then want to be able to give that back to him and to the people around us. You know, we, we know this principle that we always reflect who we're around. And so as we're wrapped in Jesus, we then will reflect him and we become a loving in the ways that he's loving, selfless and considerate and kind. All the things that we've read about and uh, studied for the past number of weeks. Um, we begin to take on his nature. But I'd like to provide, uh, I think, an even more um, profound description of what's going on. Because the way that uh, uh, chapter 13 ends is with this future reality. It says, look, don't be overwhelmed by darkness because the light is coming. The light has already come. And the day is dawning. Now, what is this day that's dawning? What is this future hope that we have? What is the coming kingdom characterized by? Well, we know in Revelation 19 that it's, it's, a, uh, it's a marriage to Christ, that this person that we're being wrapped in is the groom, and that what our hope is is to be united with him forever, never separated again, but to be one with him that... Uh, that um, Human marriage is a mere shadow of the connection that we are going to be able to enjoy with the Lord Jesus Christ forever. This is our hope. This is the, what's going to meet the deepest longings of our heart. Those desires that we try to get quickly met through, uh, through pornography or addiction or carousing. That, that No, those are just... Uh, those, those have nothing to do with what God wants to accomplish in us, which is a unity with him. And even the best that humanity has to offer in terms of, of, a, of a wonderful marriage and of, of close relationship, those are just a, just a, a shadow, a, a, a dim image of what we get to enjoy with Jesus in the coming age. So what this means then is that we wrap ourselves in Jesus and we do these, this, uh, what we're clothed with is deeds of love. That we love him so much, we want to do things that, that please him, that delight him. So these deeds of love are acts of devotion for him. Now, 
this is the, the, the last thing that I want to I want to emphasize. But can I can I please ask you how much of our life is motivated by pleasing him? You know, whenever we think about doing acts of love, when we read through uh, chapters 12 and 13, we see a very detailed list of how we're to behave towards others. But we forget how it started. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to whom? To God. The, the reason why we're going to love others is because that's what, what we, we love the Father, and this is what he delights in doing, and so we're, we're doing that with him. But it's actually motivated by a love for God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, the pattern that's all about self-fulfillment and self-actualization and living in a darkness that makes us scared and so we just have to manage life on our own. Don't conform to that pattern, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Remember what's really going on here. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, what he longs to see us do because we have a love relationship with him. He has come to us in mercy, drawn us into relationship with himself. And we're so delighted by this relationship, we just want to love him back and do what pleases him. And so our life becomes motivated by devotion to Christ. So I, 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 I don't want to lay a, a guilt trip on you, but I do want you to be convicted. How much of your daily life is motivated by loving Jesus? And the reason why you would care for a poor person, you would go out of your way to help somebody, you would, you would text somebody who you, who you haven't seen on any Zoom calls and you know isn't, isn't actively participating in a D group, you would go out of your way to do that because you love God. That you're motivated by, I, I, I've, I'm in his mercy I've been unconditionally loved through the work of Jesus Christ. I'm wrapped in him. And I want to express my appreciation and gratitude and adoration and worship of him. I know what I'll do. I'll love who he loves. I'll care about those who are on the outside. You guys, this is a moment to express, or to, to excite our love for Jesus that gets manifested in loving those around us. The love that we have for him is this, what's the first commandment? It's to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second is like it. Why is it like it? Because in Matthew it says, what you do to the least of these, you do to me also. That, that Jesus says, the best way that you can love me is by loving those whom I love. But let us not be confused. It is ultimately about loving Jesus. Can that please be our motivation in this time? Look, if we do not have a hope in our love where we're going to be united with the groom, that we're going to be with him forever, if, if, if hope does not motivate our love, then what we call love will become more and more self-centered and small and dark and night-ish. It will just go in that direction. It'll start off as, as looking like love and, and maybe we'll even call it self-love and we've got to take care of ourselves during this time. Well, that's just because we've lost sight of Jesus Christ 
and our love and devotion to him and what he's done for us. And if we can be motivated by a love for him, if we can hope for that day when we will be united with him, then we're bringing that day into this day. And the night is being dispelled and darkness is fleeing because we've been wrapped in the love of Jesus. And we're, 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 we're longing for the fullness of that relationship. And so we begin to bring that relationship into today. And what that looks like is loving the people around us. And what it also looks like in chapter, uh, uh, verse 14, is we do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh because we have a greater hope. It's not just getting our needs met right now because this is all we can think about is we see where our life is going and that hope just overwhelms any fleshly desires. Look, if you're struggling with pornography, if you're struggling with being connected, if you find yourself being separated from the people around you, being jealous, divisive, bitter, not wanting to put in the, uh, the energy into relationship, freak out because darkness is coming into your heart. And you've got to fight against that darkness. With the light of God, you need to put on the armor of light, who is Jesus Christ himself. And remember what your life is really about. It's not about using Jesus as a resource to have a nice life now. No, it's living this life in light of a future hope. The coming of the kingdom will be wed with Christ, ruling this earth in his name, with him. This is what's really going on. And this is what we need to remember in a time like this. So in conclusion, if your love lacks hope, you will dress for today, not for tomorrow. If hope is not in your love, your love will become more dark, more dim, and more self-centered. But faith in Romans chapter 1 to 11 allows us to do 12 to 13. As we remember who Jesus is and what he's done for us, how he's given us new hearts, set us free from condemnation, washed through us with love and forgiveness, filled us with his Holy Spirit, where we now cry, Abba, Father, and we're no longer orphans. We're one with God. As we remember all that he's done, as we are wrapped in the truth of God, then what's naturally going to come out of us is a concern for our neighbor. That if we're taking uh, COVID-19 and we're saying, you are not going to steal away hope from my heart. You are not going to steal away love from my heart. But through faith in Jesus Christ, I keep my hope and that's going to be manifested by loving the people around me. I am believing that during this time, we're going to see the church grow. We're going to see the kingdom of God advanced. But in order for that to happen, you and I are going to have to be, not deny reality, but face the darkness that's around us, not run off into, into human desires to kind of just help us feel better in the moment, not let that leave to separating ourselves in strife and dissension, jealousy. But we walk in an opposite spirit, wrapped in Jesus Christ, full of hope, 
believing that this is a time to clarify just how powerful the gospel is, not just in our lives, but we're able to give that away to others. And we are proactively reaching out. If you're listening to this, proactively reach out. Become, uh, become a messenger of light. Not because it's the right behavior. It's because you've been wrapped in the love of God. Known by him. Walking with the living God. And when you're wrapped by him, there's no way anybody can stop you from loving your neighbor. It's impossible when you're close to Jesus. By faith in Romans 1 to 11, normal Christians dress in hope and holiness. It's what we do. So are you dressed? Are you dressing yourself for the coming wedding? I'll just close with this story. A number of years ago, I, um, I was uh, performing a wedding with a couple that I didn't know very well. They did um, some, their premarital counseling at another church. And, uh, and usually I, I won't marry anybody unless they do premarital counseling. But they says, don't worry. We, you know, we, uh, we did get premarital I says, okay, that's great. And so the night before the wedding, the, um, the bride phones me and says, uh, I want to call off the wedding. I'm not ready. I'm, I'm freaking out. I'm afraid. I think I'm making the wrong decision. And so I've, you know, I've seen this a few times. And so I says, you know, kind of pre-night jitters. And, and, and we prayed together. And, and she felt peace in her heart. And she says, yeah, you're right. I do love him. I do want to be with him for the rest of my earthly life, you know. And so, uh, so good. I, I pull up to the church the next morning, and I see the groom dressed in a T-shirt and shorts, uh, churning people away, saying the wedding's off, you guys can go home. And I, you know, I say, what's going on here? He says, well, my, you know, I just call her my bride. Um, she called off the wedding, and I'm just telling people to go home. I says, well, look, let's just wait a minute here. Let's call everybody into the church. Uh, we'll pray for you. We'll explain what's happened. And so we brought everybody into the church. And uh, while I'm explaining, he's standing beside me in his shorts and a T-shirt. And as I'm explaining everything, she walks in. And she walks in in a tank top and shorts. And uh, she comes and apologizes to him and cries. And uh, what follows, I could tell you the story. It's a, it's a, it's a, a very complicated story. But they think they should get married and they're not. And it was just really, really complicated. But you know what? She wasn't dressed for a wedding. She was dressed in a tank top and t-shirt. She wasn't ready. There was no hope in her heart for what the future could hold for her and her future husband. I pray that we would dress ourselves every day with the presence of Christ shielded with his light to dispel the darkness around us that wants to creep into our souls. Can we please be a people that are holy and righteous, proactively loving the people around us, doing deeds of light, the deeds that look like what Jesus would do because we're so in him. I am praying that in this time we will have the kind of relationship with God 
that spills over into the relationships around us. And I can hardly wait for the day when we'll be able to come back all together at once. Uh, I don't know when that will be, but not where I'm able to give everybody a hug. And that we will see uh, hundreds of people all worshiping Jesus together because you decided to be the bride of Christ and clothe yourself with Jesus and do deeds of light, not deeds of darkness. And that you would not let darkness win in this time, but you were proactive in your love, not just for your neighbor, but for God because of what he has done for you. And could that be the motivation in this time so that we could see God's kingdom come in lives rescued out of the hopelessness that surround us, thinking that a pandemic is our worst problem, when there's a virus of sin that's far more sinister and eternally deadly, and that we would, we would wake up from our slumber and go about doing the works of the kingdom. Let us, as it says, wake up from your slumber. Realize what's really going on in this time. Oh, Father, we don't want to be dead and dark and sleeping and carousing and uh, in debauchery, in dissension, thinking only about ourselves. You saved us out of that and wrapped us with your very presence. And so as men and women who stand in you, would you reestablish in our hearts a hope? A hope not just for the end of a pandemic, but a hope for a coming kingdom that would transform our hearts, as Romans 12.2 says, that our hearts would be transformed, that our minds would be transformed by what's true. Would you enliven us? Would you put around us an armor of light? And would you commission us in this time to spread your good news, to spread your light into the darkness, to give hope to the hopeless, to give light to those who are stumbling in the darkness, because we have received the light, and his name is Jesus. Awaken our hearts in this time. Dear Father, I pray. In the name of your dear Son, amen. Oh,